This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the All You Can Heat On Air podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Jack Simone and Kenneth Wilson. And we're back with another episode of the All You Can Heat On Air podcast presented by Fansided and AllYouCanHeat.com. Uh, Kenneth are here recording on Wednesday, October 13th. Uh, right before the Heat preseason game is when you guys are hearing this, though, as they take on the Hawks tonight, again, when you guys are listening to this for the second time of the preseason. Um, and to kick off the show, Kenneth, what are you liking from the Heat's preseason so far? I mean, 4-0. and You can't complain too much, right? No, you can't complain at all about it, man. And again, like you said, and like we've been saying throughout the entirety of the preseason just for, thus far, it's only the preseason. So you don't want to get too high and you don't want to get too low. But now that we got that out of the way, um, I don't think I could have asked for a better preseason situation because we haven't seen Jimmy Butler, yes, but only one game. Um, but that's okay. And everybody else has looked apart, not only from an individual perspective, but how they fit into the grander scheme of the team. So I can't say that I've been disappointed. We've been 4-0 through the preseason again, just to clarify. But it's definitely a great way to get yourself ready for what is surely to come with the regular season. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, the thing that I believe you can measure in the preseason, which is one of the only things I think you can really look at effectively in the preseason, is these younger players. And they're getting a lot of run, right? You look at the DJ Stewart, the Drew Smith, the Javante Smart, who we can talk about too, hit that game-winning layup, which was electric. Um, and, and Micah Potter too. The, the question I have that stems from that. And I think I talked about this a little bit in one of my, my articles lately, Marcus Garrett's not getting a ton of playing time. And now we see for this Hawks game again tonight, when you guys are listening to this, there's this huge extensive injury report. So like, obviously all the starters aren't playing. Yurtsevin's not playing. Garrett's not playing. Morris isn't playing. Oladipo obviously isn't playing, but Garrett's on that list. Do you think they're saving him for the regular season even though he's a two-way player because usually you see these two-way players get more time in the preseason and we saw Caleb Martin have that great game in the first one even started against the Hornets so he could start against his brother which was really cool as well but Marcus Garrett hasn't gotten a lot of run I'm not saying I'm concerned because you can only be so concerned in preseason but I I just wish we've seen a little more from him so far do you know what I'm saying I completely understand the notion, man. Um, and I want to say that the injury was a shoulder situation or something like that. Um, I think so. Right. Maybe there is a little something more to that than it's being said. And I do know that he did play a little bit in the Charlotte game. So you take that with a grain of salt, maybe. But perhaps there's something more with the injury. I think that Marcus Garrett is definitely the guy that they like for that two-way deal Um um, as far as, you know, bringing him up to the big club or keeping him with the big club for a ton of the games. But at the same time, I also want to say this, you know, I don't necessarily think that not playing him here is any indication of where he stands or, you know, what his future may be with the team. I just, again, think that it's a time to get your exhibition 10 guys some, you know, some valuable run in the big club because surely – Garrett's going to get plenty of time with the big club. So I don't think there's too much there. I think maybe, you know, the shoulder is one of those management things where there's sometimes he can go. And then sometimes where, because you know, he's going to get those 50 games or so with your club that you're just taking your time with him. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned, and this is another thing I wanted to talk about. You mentioned the, the exhibition 10 training camp guys in all likelihood, none of them are going to be on the heats main roster maybe they'll play for the g league team or whatever but there's one standard contract spot left and you have to imagine they're just going to save that or use it you know for for a a buyout market player if they use it at all this season so most of these guys i'm talking micah potter javante smart drew smith dj stewart aren't going to be with the team do you think they're fighting for spots on the g league team at this point or do you think they could end up with a two-way spot on another team what do you think is going on there is it just about getting them run in general um, I want to say that they are locks on the G League team if that's what they so choose to do. Um, I want to be clear about the Exhibition 10 um, rules or whatever because I know they gave them some sort of exclu- exclusivity up into a point. Um, it says that 
gives the franchise the flexibility to convert it to a two-way deal, but they have to ensure that it happens before the commencement of the regular season. And with the fact that, as we mentioned, both of their two-way deals have been filled by Martin and Garrett, you, you, you really don't think that either of those guys will, you know, find themselves gone for one of those guys that we're talking about. So I do think that there's a worry of being poached by another team because a guy like Javante Smart or a guy like Micah Potter who, you know, can rebound the ball, uh, they've shown that they have ability. And you can see another team being willing to offer something more guaranteed, such as one of those two-way deals, such as a situation we experienced with uh, Dejan Giroux earlier in the, you know, I guess pre-preseason activities. So I don't think that they're fighting for a two-way spot to just kind of make sure that I'm clearly and definitely answering the question. If It's not available with the Heat. And they're not fighting to make the G League roster because I am positive that each and every one of those guys that are still there will make the G League roster and be key members of it. Um, it's just about whether they get poached or not. And that does bother me. So I'm going to blame you if it happens because I hadn't, you know, put that energy into the air yet. <laughs> But, if I mean, just to add on top of that, it wouldn't surprise me because when you look at guys like Smart and Potter and even yeah. Stewart to a certain extent, you can see the talent. And I would love nothing more but to be able to harvest those guys um, out, out of the G League situation at some point in the next year or so. Because, you know, I've been really high on Smart from the start. Mm-hmm. And he hunted that moment in Charlotte. And I think that has a lot to do why I've been high on him. A lot of Chauncey Billups in him. And I said that prior to the Charlotte game. I might have said that to you. Um, and yeah. that, when the way he hunted that final moment, the big shot, um, that that kind of is reflective of what I'm talking about. So, no, I would love to keep those guys and be able to go back to them after they develop a little bit. But you're right. The only thing that may happen is they may get poached. Yeah, the, the one thing I've always said about Javante Smart is I'm a big analytics guy. Like I've told you, I'm a stats guy. His stats, like his shooting percentages aren't good, but you can just see that he has the means to be an effective basketball player. Like you, there's some players you can see it like Marcus Smart, another good example of it. Like his percentages are never there. Marcus Smart's never going to be a good three-point shooter, but it's undeniable the impact he has. And I'm not going to compare the two any further than that, but except for the last name, obviously. Um, and that does kind of draw into the last mini point I did want to ask you, because it's definitely too early to talk about this, but I just wanted to bring it up because I wrote an article about it. You signed Marcus Garrett, who I love. You signed Caleb Barton, who is all right, to two-way deals. And the two guys you keep bringing up are Javante Smart and Micah Potter, obviously because I think those have been the two most impressive training camp players for the Heat so far this season, summer league, uh, even into preseason. I think they've shown the most potential. Do you think, in hindsight, the Heat are going to wish, or you're going to wish, or fans are going to wish that they signed one of those two guys instead of Caleb Barton and or Marcus Garrett, but more so Martin to one of those two-way spots. Uh, because like you said, there's always that, you know, off chance that one of them gets poached by another team. I think when you look at the positions that you're talking about, you're talking about Potter, who's a big man. Um, maybe some people consider him a smallish five, but he's a four-ish, five-ish kind of guy. Real yeah. Daniel Tysish, and I don't mean to do that because of the way he looks, but real Daniel Tysish. Um, mm-hmm. And if you look at the roster composition, they have a quality amount of depth at the particular positions, or let's say the particular roles that Garrett, I mean, that Smart and Potter would play. Smart is that combo guard, man the point guard kind of guy for you. Well, you look at the Heat's roster, and they have Kyle Lowry, of course. They have Jimmy Butler, who does some distribution and playmaking. They have Bam Adebayo, who can do that. They have Yay Vincent for wherever you want to place him in your, you know, pecking order. They have Tyler Hero. They have a ton of guys on that second unit who will be able to do creating for them. And then when you look at Potter, of course, he's that power-type player, but you have guys like Markeith you can place in that area. You have guys like Deadman. You have guys like Bam Adebayo that you can play there. And Lo and behold, I'm going to whisper this, you even have Casey Akpala that you can play there. So, you know, <laughs> um, I mean, it's just a role type thing. I think when you're talking about wing guys, three and D type guys, guys who can do a little bit of everything, like Garrett and like uh, Martin are, then you're talking about the premium type things. It's like those are utility Swiss army knife type guys that you can place two, three, maybe even a little four-ish sometime where they give you more versatility, multipleness, and value 
than guys like Smart and Potter will right now, specifically for your roster composition. Yeah, I talked about that, and I would, for the most part, tend to agree. I think the only place where I started to differ a little bit is, uh, obviously, you have to, when you're looking at strictly those two two-way spots, I was comparing, you know, Smart versus Garrett, because they're the guards, and then I was looking at Potter versus Martin, who I'd rather have. And for me, it came down to, can Potter play anytime at the four? Like, is he quick enough to keep up with guys there? And realistically, probably not right now. Maybe if he gets more athletic, develops, like, is physical a little bit, he can. But like you said, I think Martin's probably the better, more versatile choice for that two-way spot right now, at the very least, right? And I think you hit on something. The, the very thing I was trying to hit on in the beginning of the whole spew, especially about Potter, He's a small ballish five right now because you don't trust him to guard those quicker fours or small ball fours. They can take advantage of his, you know, lack of, I guess, lateral movement is what you want to say. Because I don't think that he's athletically challenged. I'm not going to say he's a great athlete. He's no Blake Griffin, but he's not a total dud on the floor either. You know what I mean? So I think it's more of a practicing, learning that body movement and fluidity to the point where you can apply it on the floor in live NBA speed and action because he has the athletic ability, it seems. So that that's definitely the point I was hitting on there with Potter. And, and I mean, just to make a comparison with Smart and with Garrett, the difference now for me is one through three, definitely. I would feel comfortable throwing Garrett out there yeah, and having him defend, whereas I would only maybe feel comfortable with the one or the two with Smart Whereas, and you spoke towards towards the numbers, justifiably, you can put them both in an open spot on the floor and, say, hit the open shot, and they have about equal chances of doing that. So I feel like that's, you know, if you're weighing those situations. Yeah, I agree. And just to touch on the Casey Opala thing, I did actually write an article recently about players earning rotational minutes, and he he was in there. I'm giving him his props where they're due. Casey Opala looks, he looks pretty good this season. If he's hitting his shots, uh, and he continues to do so, I might have to bite the bullet because uh, you might have you might have had me on that one. Although uh, I'm not going to back down from my opinion, I'm not going to back down. It's not about you. <laughs> it's not about me. It's yep. not about you. It's not it's about, about me. It's about KZ. It about, yes, sir. And it's about the rest of the people on Twitter that can't stop. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. But uh, with that, I think that wraps up kind of our preseason talk so far. Um, and we did want to get into a more general NBA topic and how it affects the Miami Heat. Kyrie Irving, man, he just can't stay out of the news. I mean, you know me. I'm, I'm a New England guy. He's been in the news uh, for Celtics fans for a while. And now, obviously, this, it's just how does it affect the Heat, I think, is the biggest question to ask. And I wrote an article about it. And I obviously, you look at the Nets with and without Kyrie Irving, It's uh, he, they're objectively worse, right? You lose an all-star. That's just how the world works. You're just not as good of a team. And that could ha- end up having some real playoff implications for the Miami Heat, right? This is the way I've described it. First of all, to answer your question, yes, it, it definitely has playoff implications for the Miami Heat, but it's bigger than just the postseason tournament. First of all, I saw a tweet recently. And this is just in jest. I just have to share it since you mentioned the Boston Celtics. Who's closed more championship windows than Kyrie Irving? <laughs> um, Everybody had a championship window when he first was there or when it was first created, a la Cleveland, a la Boston, perhaps the Nets. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and you know, it's a, I mean, it's one of those Twitter tweets, you know, one of those things. It's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. But then you sit down and you think about it. I'm like, man, okay, all right. Anyway, when you think about the Brooklyn Nets, you didn't really see them play together a ton last year. Injuries, seeing James Harden basically play on one leg in the playoffs, all of that jazz, missing Kyrie, all of that jazz. And it's not about the playoffs themselves because when you're thinking about a team that has two guys minimally even, that can go and get a bucket whenever they want to. And in a playoff situation where the game is short and theoretically and the possessions are fewer, so it's about quality more than quantity, where it's a quantity thing in a regular season. Everybody's going to get a 1,000 possessions. So make good on most of those and you have a good chance to win. But in the playoffs where the possessions are short and things tighten up a bit, as we all know, as it's been so highly mentioned every time that you talk about the NBA playoffs, 
you have two guys that can go get a shot and a bucket anytime they want. So you have a chance. The thing is about getting there and how tough the road is to potentially get into a final situation, whether that be in your conference or whether that be for the whole thing. If the road towards the playoffs is too tough or if it puts you in a situation where you have to face a team in the first or an early round that you may have not had to face until the finals, then that's where you run into a sticky situation in Brooklyn. Because if you can make it to the show and everybody's 80% or better, you mentioned it. With Kyrie, they're far and out the most top in talented team in the league. But still, they have two top 15, top 10 guys in their star lineup. So if you can make it, then you always have a shot. But getting there would be a problem because you don't have that third guy to take the pressure off. And it's not like they have a bunch of other super role players around them simply because of how that financials work out. Now, don't get me wrong. They have a couple of guys that still have something left in the tank. Whether you're talking about Blake Griffin or anybody else. However, it's still a situation where attrition is bound to set in because that's just how these things work. And I dare to ask, KD hasn't necessarily been the most healthy over the last couple of years, right? Yeah. You didn't look yeah, at not, James not Harden. Harden. Yep. There, there you go. He hasn't been the most healthy over the last couple of years, right? I mean, it's just you're looking at a situation that's so volatile that you need everything that you thought you were going to have simply because of the fact that it may come a situation where you don't have everything you thought you were going to have, if that makes sense. So I'm not worried about the tournament. It's getting there. And that's where they may find their issue. Yeah, and you look at what's transpired over the past year or so, right? You look at how they played last year, and a lot of it was, okay, this player's not here. The two of us will carry the nets, and that's enough to win. If Kyrie doesn't play, then you're looking at, you know, Kevin Durant misses a game because of rest, and you have Harden and a bunch of role players, which he can still get the win, but that's going to take a significantly larger toll, like you're saying, on the wear and tear of the team. And they, they do have quality players. Like you said, Blake Griffin. They got Patty Mills this offseason. James Johnson, former Heat guys there, which is weird. Uh, Paul Millsap even. So they have quality guys who can help them out. But it's going to be a lot I, harder. I wanted to mention all of them, but I didn't want to throw those guys out. Because, you know, people are quick to say Paul Millsap. But it's like, no, in a big moment where you need that big rebound, that yeah. big kick out, you want a guy like Millsap who, like, got yes. that old man strength. Like, yo, you can't move me. So, no, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned all those guys. And Patty Mills, such a huge pickup for them. But we won't talk about that right now. Yeah. And then, then the other thing is you see the way KD and Harden are reacting to the situation even off the court, right? I have a KD quote here. I'm envisioning Kyrie being a part of our team. Maybe I'm just naive, but that's just how I feel. So, obviously, like, they're really good friends, but that's questioning a little. Then you see – I don't know if you saw the Harden interview today. Someone asked him, you know – oh, have you talked to Kyrie yet? And he was just like, he opened his eyes real wide. He's like, no, I haven't. And then the interview ended. So it's just like, is there a tension drawing there between those guys? Do you think Kyrie's like, uh, do you think they're still going to be great friends? Or do you think this is kind of like, it's just, it's itching at something, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Listen, man, you talk to people with semi-intimate knowledge of the situation. And I say semi because maybe it's not, directly from that camp but just with knowledge yeah, of the reports. way things are working in the state mm -hmm. you know what i mean um yeah, yeah, yeah and based off and 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 i know people are panning the shams report from today earlier and it's just like everything you're hearing from people that live in new york or people that are close to the situation they're echoing to say, I literally, the, the, what Shams wrote today, I literally heard that four days ago from two different people. One person that lives in New York mm -hmm. and actually potentially, you know, might work close to the situation. And then another person that just is closely tied into things of that nature. Policy, basically, legislative policy. Um, and because of his motivation, I can't call it. And then you're also talking about guys who are friends. Now, we don't know the depth of James Harden's and Kyrie Irving's friendship as much or as closely as we know that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving seem to be really close. So while I can't say that there's tension brewing there, from a sports perspective, mm -hmm. 
when you lose a game, and and it and it sounds so minuscule and simple, when you lose a game or if you do lose a guy to injury, those are the moments when you're gonna when those thoughts are gonna inevitably cross your mind. Man, why is yeah. this guy here? So I won't go as far as to say there's tension, but I'll use the word awareness. Right now there's a supreme awareness. Hey, this guy isn't here. Hey, it might hurt us. But you have to believe that because of his motivation, because it isn't to hurt, because it isn't, quote unquote, to be the revolutionary just outright, but yeah. simply for a cause of people's rights and, you know, labor rights and what you are able and not able to do to require them to keep their gigs or whatever, what have you, that may be the butter that helps smooth it all over with everybody. Yeah. And, and- Obviously, as I've said before, a Celtics fan, I don't dislike Kyrie Irving. Like, without getting too deep into, you know, politics or whatever, because it's a basketball podcast, I think if I talked to Kyrie Irving, he'd probably be one of the nicest people I've ever had a conversation with. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, he's probably a very nice human being. It's just some of these decisions that affect, like, not even, like, the vaccine part of it. Just like you said, like, purely basketball. Like, you lose a game, your teammates are going to start looking like, man, why isn't this guy here to help us? Or, man, like, what's going on? That that's the type of stuff that I think could end up uh, affecting the morale, I guess, is the right word I'm trying to get at of the team. And then you look at all these reports, which personally I don't buy. I'd like to know your thoughts like, oh, the Nets, like looking back at the end of their last season, like ownership wanted to trade him. But Kevin Durant said no, and they they don't want to ruffle feathers there. Who's going to want to take on Kyrie, right? You're not going to get a package for Kyrie just in, in like, obviously, I don't think they trade him. And <laughs> funny enough, we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit. The only thing that I can see happening is if they trade him to Philly, right, for uh, another guy that is <laughs> causing drama. <laughs> but yeah, what do you think of the whole reports that were like, oh, the Nets want to trade Kyrie versus, you know, Kevin Durant versus Kyrie saying he'd retire if they did? Uh, do you have any thoughts on that whole situation side of it? That's dicey too, man. Um, I don't believe it because we can't substantiate it one way or another. So I'll say that. However, could I see it? Perhaps. And if you look at the way things play out when you're talking about superstar guys, specifically in this case, if you look at guys like LeBron James or Kevin Durant, um, even James Harden to a certain extent in Houston, if you look at what's going on up in Portland right now, Damian Lillard is showing some of that power in a smaller market with Portland or whatever, and maybe it's exerted in a different way. You can certainly agree that Steph Curry has that power with Golden State. You look at some of the moves and the reports that have come out, and you can see it because Kevin Durant means that much. And it's a funny story. If you think about everything you've seen the last couple of days from the report that the Nets were going to meet as a group, as a team, management, everybody to decide, you know, how they wanted to move forward on the Kyrie Irving situation. And then the results the following morning where, you know, it was announced that he wouldn't be participating part-time and all that jazz. Those things really make you think about it and really allow you to be able to see it. Again, I don't believe that to be true because we can't substantiate it. But I can see it because everything screams, hey, the media is frying us because they believe the players are running this thing. So now we have to put our foot down and make a power move to show that we're really in control. Yeah. But you don't get to that point unless it's gotten so bad Mm -hmm. that the people on the outside are talking about it, which is the (laughs) media. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. 100%. And it's just, it, it begs the question how does it end, right? Because you, you asked the same question about the Ben Simmons thing, like who would give in first? This, I feel like, is a much more difficult situation tra- to traverse. because it So is, many more but, legs, bro. So many more legs. Yeah. Yeah. So how how do you see it ending? Because for me, I just, I, I don't think Kyrie's going to give in. And I don't think the Nets, after what, like you said, they had to put their foot down because of the media and everything. They said he can't join the team. I, I think he just doesn't, play this season as crazy as that sounds right what do you think like i i just think that's that's how it ends up i just don't think it plays you've known me for quite a bit now jack and you know i always have something to say <laughs> yep i don't know i'm speaking <laughs> wow wow i i, I got nothing 
if I had to so say weird. something, it would be it would be what you said. I I can't yeah. see him playing because I don't think he's going to give in. But I got nothing. Let's let's reiterate that. I don't yeah. know. And that's a first. That that's a all you can heat on air first. <laughs> exclusive. An exclusive right here. But like I was saying, with the Ben Simmons thing, right? You see that playing out. All right, Ben Simmons is not going to not get paid. He'll probably either report unless they find a thing. Like, something will resolve there. There's no pathway forward with this. Kyrie's not going to give in on his personal decision or decision to get vaccinated. The Nets, now that they've done that, aren't going to, like, just let him walk. You already had that little, not slip up, but uh, loophole, I guess you could say, where they said, oh, it's a private facility. He can practice with the team. But now they clamp down on that, the Nets organization themselves. And so you look ahead to the season, suddenly there's a lot more parity in the Eastern Conference, right? You, you take away one of the big head of, of the three. Like, just in terms of, obviously you have dominant teams. The Nets are still going to be one of the top teams in the East, with, with or without Kyrie. But overall, I don't think necessarily anymore they're going to be overwhelming favorites. Couple of things there. It's a lot of meat in that topic. Let's let's pick it apart really quick. And you know I can get long winded, so I'm gonna try to be quick. <laughs> I don't think that the Nets or the Sixers or the Bucks and some people are throwing the Sixers in there with Ben Simmons because of Joel and B's dominance. But you still have to see Ben Simmons come back, shoot a jump shot, and not be afraid to take the layup and be able to vibe with his teammates. I know. <laughs> yep. Some people tend to think that those teams might have been ahead of the heat coming into this year, even with all of their additions. Some people might have even seen the Boston Celtics still being ahead of them. And that's not to take a jab or poke at you, Jack. That's literally the truth. You see that. Yep. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. Personally, and especially when it comes to those upper echelon teams like that, I don't think that the heat were far off at all, even with Kyrie Irving, even with Giannis and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday in the title, even with the dominance of Joel Embiid and if Ben Simmons gets his mind right. Even if Jason Tatum and Brown and all those guys finally take the leap we've heard about for year and year and year and year. Now, that was a jab at you, Jack. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> um, it's really a situation where I don't think that they were as far back as, you know, people tried to make it seem again. And that's beautiful, though, because the Heat not only love being an underdog, but they don't want the attention. They just want to come in and do the work and win the games. Now, when you think about the impact that Kyrie Irving not being there has from a literal basketball perspective, of course it hurts them. It takes them from being the prohibited favorite in the conference and, dare I say, the league to now being in a toss-up with six or seven other teams that surely includes the Miami Heat for the conference and the league again. Yep. Here's something else that you have to think about. LeBron James Heat teams, even LeBron James, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, Cleveland teams, Golden State's Flash Brothers teams, Golden State teams with Kevin Durant. And this Brooklyn Nets team, they put a certain fear in your heart when you were playing them. Like, not even just what they did on the court. It was like, yo, there was something ahead of that game on the schedule. Like, yo, you know we playing these guys on this day, right? Like, we don't even care about this game. We got these guys tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> Every game yeah. you played those teams was what they call a look-ahead game. You know what I mean? So that whole aspect of it kind of dissipates, too, and that hurts them. Because now you have teams, even the bottom theme teams, that go in and say, it's only two of them. We got five guys on the court. Make them other three guys beat us. And don't get me wrong. Those two yeah. guys can still kill you, and they're good enough to let those or to help those other three guys beat you. Don't get it twisted. But there's a certain fear aspect with Kyrie not being there, that isn't there anymore either. So all of that goes into making things more wide open. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets just aren't the Brooklyn Nets that everybody thought they would be coming into this season. Point blank, period. Yeah. And and when I was mapping out my record predictions, which I I wrote an article on a few weeks ago, I had the Heat at three. Uh, I'm I'm not delusional. I don't think the Celtics will be where the Heat are this season. I think they're not to talk about the Celtics, they're in transition right now. They're they're trying to figure things out. I had the heat at it's three. It's okay. You can get a little. You can get a little smidgen. <laughs> we want a little. Just, just a, a little bit. A little sneak peek. Um, I think I had the Nets at one, Bucks at two, and they were pretty interchangeable. Um, Heat at three, pretty solidly. Which I, I think the Heat do have a chance to be one and two. But now that Kyrie's gone, I think they have a really good chance to be at one or two. 
right? The regular season is such a different place in the playoffs. And I think the Heat have the right mindset to win in both settings, right? You look at the Jazz. The Jazz have been the one seed last year. What did the Jazz do in the playoffs? I'm not comparing the Heat to them, but I'm just saying that the teams you traditionally look at as finals favorites, they're not off like they're not always have to be the one seed right because the lakers were what the six seed last year and people were still saying oh they still got a chance obviously we, we saw that worked out but you look at the nets without Kyrie, and as small as it might seem you know in the short term the heat being the three versus the two or versus the one like that has major playoff implications right you talked about this la- like uh, i think last episode too they win a couple more games. They don't have to play the Bucks in round one. They play the Knicks. These little things have major implications, and Kyrie being out will affect that 100%. You hit on so much there, Jack. First of all, to go backwards, forwards, the one or two games, the three games, the four and a half games that keep you from being a two seed, that forces you to play Milwaukee or, dare I say, Miami or even Philly, or the baddest or the or your worst matchup throughout yeah. the season in the first round that makes you go seven games, or dare I say, you even lose. Those things matter so much. And you traumatize me every week by bringing up a bad memory. <laughs> I still can't get over good ones. How did we let him do that? Anyway, I digress. We did face the Bucks in the first round, and that's also something we haven't touched on. This is more about the Brooklyn Nets. Don't get it twisted. I don't think that the Bucs are as big of a threat either, man. And first of all, let throw the first round series out. We're not that far. We weren't that much further away from the Bucs than that series show. Like, the Bucs yeah. aren't that much better than the Miami Heat. Point blank period. That's an anomaly. I, I'll go on record and say that. Were they the better team? Absolutely. And that's why they won. But they weren't sweep us better, if that makes sense. In the year prior, and yes, no Drew Holiday, uh, a year or so development removed from the championship year, which was last year, we beat them. And we added, I'll say it, an elite guy this offseason in Kyle Lowry. Yep. And you look back yep. at what Bam Adebayo is doing in the preseason and how aggressive he's being. That mid-range. That mid-range is Come there. On now. But it's but it's not <laughs> even just the mid-range. It's also yep. like I told you, he's a that triple threat. If he ever gets in that triple threat, you and it's literally a triple threat with him because the threat is, is he gonna tear it off the glass? Is he gonna hit me with some middies? Or is he gonna make me look foolish by turning into Jason Kidd right here at the free throw line? <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. But I don't think that Milwaukee is as big of a threat as everybody wants to make them out the same, too. You have to look at the fact that Giannis is still dealing with that knee situation, has been heavily reported. But also you have to look at the fact that they won the title last year. So who's to say? And I said this time and time again, but I want to reiterate this. This isn't wishful thinking because we've seen it happen time and time again. Who's to say that they won't coast? And then I haven't said this part, and it's not to poo-poo on him. Because I think he gets the bad rap every year. But if there's going to be a team that coasts and underachieve, it's going to be one coached by Bud. I'm not going to say that again. <laughs> um, I, you're laughing, you're, but it, oh, is, you're is, so no, you're so right. I laugh because I have the same not, line of thinking. If they didn't win the championship last year, I thought he should have been gone. I thought he should have been gone after he lost to the Heat. Like he's just, anyways, continue like you said. Right, and because this isn't a poo poo on him, it's just realistically saying what you see. Yeah. Now. You spoke to that number one C and just being built for the moment. You also call the Brooklyn Nets in the question there. It's like all of that talent could have accounted for the fact that you may not be, excuse our guest, excuse him. All of that talent may have accounted for the fact that you might not be right for the moment mentally. Like you don't have guys that have necessarily come through in the big game, at least by themselves. Yeah, you have KD and what he was able to do especially with Golden State. But, I mean, you know, he had Clay and he had Steph and he had Draymond and a slew of other guys. I mean, it, wasn't, you yep. know, it just wasn't him. <laughs> um, and then you look at James Harden and he's a good player, great player. But he hasn't won anything either. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it's really a situation where you need all of that talent to account yeah. for that because you look at teams that have gotten a number one seed or have looked like they are it in the pre in the regular season, as you mentioned, the Utah Jazz, the Denver Nuggets have been the number one seed twice. The Clippers have had top seeds. And 
you're you're unable to see them do it in the postseason. And even the Milwaukee Bucks were in that situation up until this past season, where they yep. constantly got the number. Uh, you know, ironically the enough, Sixers. all the Sixers, the Sixers too. Yeah, all Coach Bud teams tend to do that. I'm sorry, not to. Go, this isn't on him. I'm sorry. This, the I'm Hawks, not going back there. Hey, hey, I'm I'm with you. <laughs> Trust me. Right. So, I mean, it's just one of those scenarios, man, where not having Kyrie Irving isn't just about the numbers he's going to put on the box score. It all boils down to that because that's what, you know, trends towards wins or losses. But what goes into that is bigger than just the box score. The box score and him putting balls through the hoops is literally just one part of that, though. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned the Bucks, and it's not the Bucks are going to be a good regular season team. Bud's always had that. As much as we, like you said, poo-poo on him for being bad in the playoffs, which I completely agree with. You look at the Hawks, there's a track record there. He's a good regular season team. He knows how to win there. You look at the playoffs, and you can't not look at the loss of P.J. Tucker, right? And not to, like, you know, you know, big up the heat, like, whatever, not, not bias. They're going to have to completely change the way they play the Nets in the playoffs, right? P.J. Tucker, their whole plan was, okay, put P.J. Tucker on Durant and let him work. People say, oh, Durant still dropped 40. Do you know how hard it was for him to get that 40 with P.J. Tucker on him? Like, all, all these, like, not to, you know, crap on fans, all these casual people are like, oh, 40 points, better score. P.J. Tucker held Kevin Durant to shooting, like, below 30%. That doesn't happen. You don't do that. So, having to completely change the way they play one of the better teams in the conference is going to hurt the Bucs. And in turn, it's going to help the Heat, right? Because they have that player now. And you look at the matchups for these teams, the Heat have the defensive assets to match up with any team in the NBA. That's just facts, right? Like you look at the Nets in particular, you throw however you want to do it, Jimmy on Harden, maybe Tucker on Durant, which he can do, or Bam on Durant. And then if Kyrie doesn't play, Who's Lowry guarding? Patty Mills? Like, I'm sorry, right? Like, he can not only can he defend Patty Mills, but he can cook Patty Mills. And Patty Mills isn't a bad player, right? And then you look at the Bucks. even. You throw Adebayo on Giannis, P.J. Tucker on Middleton, you know, Kyle Lowry on Drew, Jimmy on Drew. Like, and then even if Kyle Lowry's on Drew, Jimmy's guarding Pat Connaughton? Like, what, what, what is going on there? You know what I'm saying? It's just the matchups the Heat now have, now that they not only got P.J. Tucker, but took P.J. Tucker from the box, I think is going to be a very prominent thing once the playoffs come around. Because regular season, it's it's good, but playoffs is where you really see that defensive impact from player to player occur. You really, you, you're really doing a good job here, Jack. Not that you don't always, but I like the way you're really just leading me right into it. If we were, play, if we you, were playing you. baseball, <laughs> you would be throwing softballs, baby. You'd be throwing softballs straight <laughs> across got the plate. Um, yes, I've hinted on that numerous times leading up until this season. It's not just about what we gain by having P.J. Tucker. It's the fact that you took him from the team that's become your arch nemesis. They don't yep. have him anymore. <laughs> that that helps us and it hurts them. A net positive positive is what you call that. When you look at what he was able to do on Kevin Durant, like you spoke to the efficiency, you're talking about a guy who has seen himself being the 50, 40, 90 club. 50, 40, 90, we all know what that is. You know, the percentages guy. Incredible. You know, where Absolutely you shoot, incredible. Right, 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 where you shoot 50% from yeah, the yeah. field, 40% from three, and 90% from the free throw line. That club, guys. So to hold that guy to that efficiency, you know, I mean, it, it's applaudable. At six foot five. Right. Kevin Durant's right. seven feet tall. Like, so right. impressive. I mean, you you have to give him an applause on that. And the thing about it is, even if he does get 40, how hard did he have to work to get that 40? Do you gas him? If you gassed him, you still did your job, PJ. Bingo. If that 40 is a tough 40 and you beat him up along the way, touche, my man. Hey, you did a great KD job. KD wasn't tired. KD might have hit that shot in overtime versus the Bucks. You know what I'm saying? Like... I, these have very, like, you might not notice it at the time, KD airballing that shot, right? He's not so tired. Maybe it, these little things, just the little things. Uh, I'm going to go deeper than that, Jack. Mental mistakes yep. are a result of mental fatigue. 
Can we agree there? Yep. Yep. Mental fatigue is typically onset by physical fatigue. Yep. Can we agree there? Yeah, yeah. Well, when you're KD and things are as easy for you as they are, the only way you can really get physically fatigued doing the thing that you absolutely loved, which is playing basketball, is because mm-hmm. a guy like PJ Tucker's all up in your stuff when you're trying oh, to yeah. get your stuff off. So it's entirely feasible to say that PJ Tucker's effort in physically fatiguing Kevin Durant, who then was mentally fatigued enough to make the mental mistake of letting his size 27 foot. <laughs> Touch the out-of-bounds marker. I knew it. Oh, yeah. Or the yeah, line. Yeah. Three-point line, a, yeah. At least partially direct result of P.J. Tucker's efforts. Dude was tired. Dude had a mental lapse. Again, I'm not saying it's science, but you can make a correlation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and now that he's on the heat, like, the Heat already had a great defensive team. They've been one of the best defensive teams in the league for the past few years. You got Bam, you got Jimmy. The real problem has been on offense, and I think they addressed that, but that's not the point of what I'm saying. Now you add Kyle Lowry, who I've always, like, Kyle Lowry's great. I don't understand the hate he's got. Like, I, I hear it all the time, especially in Celtics land. I, that's just, I think, because Celtics hate everybody. Um, <laughs> you got Lowry, who, scrappy defender, right? Like, he's 5'11", realistically, and he's, you know, all up in people's faces, drawing charges. He's he's great. Got the playmaking. You had P.J. Tucker, who is probably one of the best all-around defenders in the league, even at, what, like, 46 years old now. He's, like, 30, whatever he is, right? And you have Jimmy and Bam I think him and Al Horford are the same age. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Al Horford, who just got COVID, too. So Celtics are in shambles. Um, then Jalen yeah. Brown contracted. Yeah, yeah, Jalen Brown got it. Then Al, it's what are you guys there. doing over there? I, uh, Ime, you don't have no to start season two. Uh, who knows, man? Who knows? It's a, it's shambles, like I said. But anyways, um, you got those four guys, and then Duncan Robinson's in there too. He's he's doing his best to get better. That's <laughs> Duncan Robinson's besides the point. He's there for a different reason. There's no offensive lineup. Shooting forty percent on eight attempts is your defense, brother. That's your defense. Bingo. There you go. But I, I'm struggling to think of a lineup who has four guys able to beat those four defenders, right? And obviously, it's not as simple as that because you get ball movement, you have all this stuff. But if we're talking playoff basketball, you need guys to clamp up their man. You just like I can't think. There's nobody, in my opinion. I, I don't think it gets much better than that defensive lineup. I meant to mention this in my last spew, but of course, good thing that I didn't because you actually, you know, did what you've been doing a lot today. <laughs> you you look like Bam Adebayo out here. You're throwing me dimes. I got you. You you mentioned it. You have four guys in your starting lineup that you feel comfortable guarding anybody. I don't care what five-man lineup you put on the floor. With those four guys on the floor, I feel good. I like my chances. And that's not to mention that we have two or maybe three guys on the bench that you feel extremely comfortable bringing in. I feel extremely comfortable with Dwayne Detman coming off my bench, protecting my run. Yeah. Even though he has some work to do, I feel extremely comfortable with the physicality that Marquis Morris is going to provide. Even Oak again, your guy. I, I was about to whisper his name, Jack. Let me get to it. <laughs> I feel extremely comfortable with Casey Akpala. Coming in off the bench as a defender. I have seven guys that I never mind defending people. Never. I don't care who the other people are. And four of those guys are in my starting unit. Not to mention, two of those guys, I'll go three now, even with Jimmy. Two of those guys, you can't take your eyes off them offensively. Especially yes. with the way that Bam Adebayo is now being aggressive. Mm-hmm. And as we spoke about with Duncan, well, yeah, he may not be Tayshawn Prince. I've been using that name to describe <laughs> defensive guys recently because he's a yeah, great defender. Love Tayshawn. Yeah, yeah. Um, he may not be Tayshawn Prince, but when you shoot 40 on over eight attempts, you're doing your part. You're making yep. the job on the other end easier for those guys so that then when they get back to the defensive end, they can make your life easier. So yep. when you're talking about that particular thing in your starting lineup, 
listen, man, playoff basketball should be a cinch. I'm just going to be frank with you. That doesn't mean that I'm saying we're going to win the whole thing. I'm just saying there should be no – there'll be no situation where we're threatening – where we're being threatened by a sweep. I'll certainly say that. Yeah. Um, now, we're, we're up against it here, man, but it's funny you, you mentioned, you know, Ben Simmons earlier. Did you know he came back? I guess everybody yeah. knows except – I guess everybody knows except the people that really matter in Philadelphia, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's getting sick of losing his $8 million every time he doesn't show up to practice, I would assume. I still don't see – we, we don't have to spend too long on Ben Simmons before we wrap here. I don't see how he plays with that team this season, though. After you go, you know, I don't want to be here, how do you how do you come back from that? Man, that's tough, especially seeing <laughs> everything that's been said since then. And to make a few interesting parallels, and not that it matters, but just the parallels in themselves are interesting. You have to imagine it was the money that brought Ben Simmons back, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whereas Kyrie Irving Kyrie could care less, it seems, about the money. Yeah. We're talking about Philly and that locker room being a mutiny over Ben Simmons' actions. And we really have to ponder whether James Harden and Kevin Durant feel some type of way about Kyrie Irving's absence. Yeah. It's just such a dichotomy on each end, man. It, it's polar. It, it's really interesting. Um, Listen, man, I gave Philly the credit earlier when talking about the top teams in the East because they're talented. Embiid, yeah. And we can say what, yeah, we we can say what we can say what we want about Ben Simmons, bro. But the guy's talented. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. He might not be as talented as he thinks he is, <laughs> but he's talented. Yes. Um you can't teach that skill set in that body type. You can't. Yeah. So you always have to consider them able to be a threat at least or able to contend at least because they have the talent and Tobias Harris gets thrown out as a third man but he's a heck of a third man even if he underwhelms a lot mm-hmm. of times too mm-hmm. um it's either gonna go really good in Philly or it's gonna go really 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 bad <laughs> you know I mean? yeah yeah no I know motivate them to have another great season like they had last year regular season yep or it's going to be like, yo, we struggle to win night to night. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 not, it's nothing in the middle. What do you think? I, I think it's tough because you see Daryl Morey asking, like, did you see the package he asked for from the Raptors? He asked for Van Fleet Lord, and Anobi. He's ba- he back pick. at it, ain't he? Oh, yeah. He's, he's psycho, right? You, you got to know your value at some point. And I think I've said this on my Celtics podcast a few times. I think there's three really solid packages for Ben Simmons you can get. I think if you can get D'Angelo Russell from Minnesota, I think you take that and run. I, I think that's great, right? I, I think he would fit really well with Embiid. You got a perimeter scorer. Obviously, you're going to lose some on defense, but if you're trading Ben Simmons, you're going to lose something on defense regardless because him and Bam Adebayo are probably the only players in the NBA right now who can guard one through five. That, that's just how it is. Um, I think a John Wall trade might not be appealing to Philly fans, but if you if you got to do it, you bite the bullet because you can't really play with a guy who doesn't want to be there. And John Wall is not awful, right? He's he's not John Wall he was. Um, and then the third one is, I don't know if they're still interested in it, but if you can get Colin Sexton and I guess Kevin Love to match Allery from Cleveland, I don't hate Colin Sexton in Philly either. So I I think those are the only options left. Unless you want to go like the buddy healed Marvin Bagley route, which I don't like as much. But I think D'Lo is your number one chance of trading Ben Simmons. Past that, probably the Sexton deal. Then John Wall. Then Buddy Heald. And past that, you bite the bullet and you play with Ben Simmons, I guess, and figure it out past this year. Yeah, man. There have been a ton of teams that they say re-engage with talks with Philly. So while I wouldn't dare to go into say what is the best one. Um, I will say this. I don't know if the Houston thing works simply because who's to say they want to deal with Maury, one. Two, the whole reason they're sitting John Wall is to not hinder the development of uh, Porter and Green. So I don't know if bringing Ben Simmons into that 
yes. actually hurts. Yes. You know what I mean? Actually hurts your hurts your goal there. Yeah. When you think about the teams that I think would be the best trade partner, and I might have mentioned this before, I think that the Kings would be a good trade partner. Yep. You could you could do something centered around Halliburton and Mitchell and a pick. Yeah. Yeah. Or you do De'Aaron straight up. That's a matter if the Kings would do it at that point, though, because I'm fairly certain the Kings said, we're not trading you Fox or Halliburton. Take heel to keep, like, leave it, which is right. another argument. But, yeah, I, I agree or, with you. Fox would be far and away the best player you can get. If you're the Warriors. Yes. Yeah. You 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 have to dangle Wiggins. Wiggins, Wiseman, with the way- whatever you want to, yeah. Right, but with the way Poole has been playing, you may can work that. I didn't even think of that. You see what yeah. I'm saying? You yeah, see yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? You make him work that. And I hate to say it. If it takes... If it takes Kaminga, do you do it? I do. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes That's you That's what dominant. I'm thinking, too. So if you take Kaminga, if you take Wiseman, if you take Poole, if you take Wiggins for Ben Simmons, I think that's a that's a decent deal too. Simply because if you're the Warriors and you get Ben Simmons and pairing beside Steph Curry and you keep Draymond Green, you have your defense <laughs> and your offense. Oh man, you, you have your defense and your so offense. So wild. You can play Ben Simmons at center at that point, right? You you play him wherever you need to play him. So yeah, that's that's crazy to think. And about. you switch everything. Yeah, you switch <laughs> everything at that point. You got you two of the best defenders everything. in the league. Uh, talk, talk about not needing Ben Simmons to shoot. You put him next to Curry and Thompson, it doesn't really get much easier than that for him. But uh, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, we're, I guess, pressed up against the clock. We can start to wrap things up. Um, this has been the All You Can Heat on Air podcast. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. I know Kenneth appreciates it as well. We, we're loving the support lately. Uh, you guys can follow All You Can Heat on Twitter at All You Can Heat One. Make sure to check us out on Facebook as well. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jack Simone MBA, uh, Instagram too, Jack T Simone. But as I mentioned in the last episode, not really on there. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll start posting. But uh, yeah, Kenneth, what about you? Yeah, we got to get Jack back on Instagram, people. So follow him. Um, I'm on Twitter at K underscore said underscore k that's the letter k underscore s-a-i-d said underscore k-q-u-e for the last time k underscore said k people on instagram you can find me at i am k serious that's i am a-m-k-c-i-r-r-u-s again i am k serious on instagram i appreciate your follow appreciate you following the show appreciate you guys listening man it's 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 been a blast and we hope to keep sure. bringing this to you as much as we can. For sure, yeah. Just everything Ken has said, uh, I echo it as well. Thank you guys for the support, and we will see you guys in the next episode. Peace out.